You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. We are back on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and folks, I'm excited as usual. Today we're going to be talking with a gentleman I have not had on the program before, but I'm really excited to have him as my guest. Now, he was referred to me by one of our listeners, and he is just an absolutely wonderful brother. His name, Steve Harmon. And Steve is a walking testimony to the life of Christ on the earth today. He actually walks in signs and wonders, miracles, and Man, does he have some testimonies and some stories to share on these subjects. And not only that, once I got talking to him, I was in for the pleasant surprise that he also works in the area of deliverance. Not just deliverance of demons in the general sense, but also with survivors of satanic ritual abuse. And so we had a lot to connect on, and it's been just a pleasure getting to know this brother up to this point. Point, and he has a website. You can check it out at www.steveharmon.org. That's S-T-E-V-E-H-A-R-M-O-N.org. Steve, it's a pleasure to have you on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you're here, and I'm really glad to meet another person that believes not only in the power of God, but is also moving to help the captives get set free from high-level bondage, lifetimes of abuse and trauma, things that most people want to pretend don't even exist. Uh, but you, you are on the front lines, brother, and I applaud you for that. Um, I want to get started, though, in this interview, talking about how God got a miracle-working, delivering, uh, demon-butt-kicking minister out of you because you have quite a story and it begins years ago when God first introduced you to the idea that he wanted to be healing people physically 
today and he wanted to use you to do it. Can you tell us how God began working in you to walk you out into that ministry where you, you know, you are connecting with heaven, you're connecting with the power of God, his spirit, and seeing supernatural things result? Well, it started, yeah, from, from me wanting to see God do miracles. Um, I, I think anybody wants to see miracles. Anybody wants to see the supernatural, uh, there's there's a lot of negativity when people have that desire that comes with that that uh in the church i think uh people will look at it and just say well you're you're seeking the hand of god and not his face you know you've heard that term before and i have uh, yeah <laughs> and so <laughs> it's 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 something to discourage people but i i don't think god has ever said anything he's not deterred us to look at the supernatural I think he just wants you to understand uh, what supernatural to look for. That's what it comes down to. I mean, God is the supernatural. He is a supernatural God. He created it. It's his world. It's his realm. I mean, Satan didn't create the supernatural. Um, I think we associate it with the New Age too much, and because of that, people shy away from it and think that they own they own it, which we should because it came from God. <laughs> so, Amen. It, it amazes um, me, Steve, how some Christians believe that everything supernatural must be manifesting from a demon. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is demonic myself. I think <laughs> that when they get that idea that's coming from a demon in them, <laughs> uh -huh. not to say that or around them, but I mean that's the only thing uh, that would possibly – uh, be a good explanation for it and usually a lot of times when I do deliverance on people that have that thinking we'll find that demon <laughs> is that <laughs> is that there. right now, now you know that it's yeah. it's hard to say that around certain denominations particularly oh, yeah. the ones that believe that you can't have a demon if you're a Christian right <laughs> I, and I think I think people don't put two and two together and 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 but mainly they just don't have experience they get told from somebody who gets told from somebody who gets told from somebody how this works. And the majority of, of, of Christians don't have any experience. They read their Bible. They talk about their Bible. They study the ins and outs of their Bible. They don't do their Bible. Uh, the majority of the time, Jesus says to heal the sick, to cast out demons. He says it in Luke 9.1. He says it in Luke 10, Mark 16. Uh, it's all throughout the scriptures. To do this stuff, it was demonstrated not just by Jesus, but by the apostles, but and also by disciples. This is a it. This is something that should be done, um, but we've rationalized it. And I think mainly, it's not even just a Christ, a general Christian thing. When we go public with this, we look at the uh, the entire world doesn't have the same view as the Western Church usually does. And I'm I am critical with the Western Church because. Uh, we do have the most Bible knowledge and the most Bibles available in seminaries and theology, but uh, when it comes to results and experience, we we're, we're pretty low. Mm. And and I'm, I, and I'm just talking uh, with about the general evangelical public. I mean, because there are Christians inside of America that are obviously doing things differently and seeing it a, a different way, but. But the enemy wants to keep us down. He doesn't want us to move in the supernatural. The supernatural is God's world. Uh, if you're going to defeat a supernatural devil, you've got to use supernatural power. You can't uh, 
vote the devil out of wait a minute out of uh nope, wait a minute if you want to beat a supernatural devil you need to what, what, say use again? supernatural power wow use supernatural yeah, <laughs> it's kind of logical, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. Are, are you we look at saying that... you don't beat the devil by warming up the pew on Sunday? Yeah, exactly. Oh exactly. man, the ballot box and voting that devil out of out of our uh, or getting the right guy in so he can push the devil out of out of society. <laughs> hmm. I, we haven't learned from history yet, I guess. <laughs> but uh, but th we're dealing with, with something that needs to be dealt by with God. And so when we're – we as the church, we have, we have several theologies that stand in the way of keeping us from seeing obvious truth. And religion is like a drug. Religion works in a way where it actually does dumb down your senses where you can't think. And it will make you believe things that – can be, I mean, to to a logical person, pretty insane. How could you believe something like that? Well, religion does that. It makes you makes you not really scrutinize your belief. And so, uh, for me, I I remember growing up and noticing that people in the church. Well, I, I looked at the Bible and I and I'd, I'd, I remember asking questions like, "Why don't we do what they do, or why is it different to? Why don't we look like them?" You know, and like the Book of Acts. And I wouldn't have really an answer. And that was back then. And today is today. And that was pretty much it. But I kind of had an understanding that something was fishy then. Hmm. Um, and I realized that as you keep asking that question, you're going to get you're starting you're well you're going to get shut down uh, because people don't want to start thinking about that because that means if that's the case if there's if there's a real problem and we are not uh we're not mirroring you know what we should be in the scriptures then then uh then we have to change and some i, I think it just comes down to people don't want to change they don't like to uh change things up and 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 have it look different i mean we get comfortable with those comfort zones that we've built up oh the way we've always oh preach it brother so uh i've i've been a big a big uh, uh voice when it comes to getting us to think about what we believe and think about why we believe it and how you know you know if we, again if we if we believe in the supernatural god we need to see supernatural miracles i think when atheists look at us and they see that us christians we, we, uh, we, we talk about the supernatural God and we do all this stuff, but then we, we have these beliefs where we don't welcome him or, or welcome any form of the supernatural in our services. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's ludicrous. You know, I, I have a feeling, Steve, and I don't, maybe, maybe you disagree with this. I have a feeling that if Apostle Paul actually showed up in a large percentage of the churches that spend most of their Sundays preaching out of his books, he'd get kicked out. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. No, but, Well, let me tell you what I meant when I said, no, we don't believe it like you do, Paul. We prefer our interpretation of what you wrote. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, Paul would, they, they would not like Paul. They probably wouldn't even like Jesus unless... 
he it was extremely confirmed and that it was Jesus because they would probably say it wasn't Jesus <laughs> if he showed up. Uh, right. I, I mean, because they've we've we've concocted an image of God that suits our lifestyle, and he fits well within that, and it doesn't shake those things up. But I mean, I, I believe also that's a demonic construct that gets in people's heads because you, you, life can be so much better if they actually opened up and got rid of a lot of those fears. Uh, the demonic uses those fears when it comes to the supernatural it's it's promoted through fear 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 of deception you're going to uh, the devil's going to you're going to you're going to get lost and the devil's going to take you out and you're going to you're going to fall because if you start doing this it's a lot of irrational fears that go on through doing these things and not to say obviously that we can't be deceived i mean i've seen it many times but the solution to the church has always been to keep yourself out of out of deception is don't engage in it at all. It's kind of like the the same uh, solution that the church in Thessalonica used when they were dealing with the, uh, uh, prophecy, and by by uh, what Paul was saying, it sounds as though they stopped doing prophecy because probably people were giving out bad prophecies in the church, maybe using it for manipulation purposes. They were. Uh, people were just getting burnt from it. And so Paul says, don't quench the spirit, but test all things. In other words, don't get the solution to having uh, to, to this problem that we're having with prophecy is not to get rid of it, but to learn how to do it better so we don't have these issues. Because there's such a benefit in the in prophecy, which is where he what he said in First Corinthians chapter 14, he says, uh, I want you to, you know, pursue spiritual gifts, you know, and speak in tongues, but but earnestly, you know, desire the prophecy. Go after prophecy. I screwed that, uh, that verse up. But basically that's his point. He says really go after prophecy because prophecy is, has such a powerful impact. It shifts things in the spirit realm. It changes lives. It can create healing, physical healing in people. It can do so much, take people out of depression. So it's the enemy does not want prophecy. So in, in uh, when it came to the, the church in Thessalonica, uh, they were their 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 way of fixing any problems, you know, keeping everything nice, neat, and tidy because we don't like problems in church. It was to just get rid of it, which Paul was kind of chastising him for that. He's like, no, that's not the the right solution. The right solution is figure out how to do it better. And so you can weed out the problems, but don't get rid of the gift. Hey, well, you know, I have seen, Steve, situations where churches axe the power of God. Axe, you know, like with a tree, you take an axe to it. And you just, mm-hmm. they, they axe it until they have made the devil comfortable enough that he has nothing to complain about. Yeah. When the devil stops complaining, they think that they have everything under wraps. It's like, oh. We're good. Devil stop complaining. Everything's going well. Like the devil should be screaming for pain in your church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's this idea that we'll, we're, we're just going to impose all whatever we can in order to make the devil comfortable. So he doesn't give too, too, too much of a problem or a headache. Uh, we like to be able to gather in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, I know your ministry looks a bit different than that. Here's the thing. You started and you started asking questions. 
You said we should look a little bit more like the book of Acts. When did God graduate you into this place where, where you begin to believe him for healings? Well, uh, it started with a missionary trip to Africa. And um, when I went over there, I was going, well, this is a, this is a, this is a third world country. And usually miracles happen a lot more, uh, happen a lot easier here. <laughs> that was just my perception. Okay. Uh, that was my perception. Was they, they, they seem to happen a lot. E- they seem to happen more easy, uh, according to missionaries that I've heard, stories that I've heard, than, than in the United States. Because up to that point, we've been praying for miracles in our own little church. I mean, and when I mean praying for miracles, once in a while we'd pray for a headache. So... because because there's so much unbelief you know that permeates the our atmosphere you know uh, that that's how we would approach things and 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 my old mindset was well you know god everything is you know god's will if it however the, the chips may fall that's god's will you know the person doesn't get healed that's god's will if the if we don't pray that's god's will you know kind of that mindset so uh, when I went over there, uh, I uh, remember preaching on a little stage is in Malawi, and uh, we were there, and I was just I was the only one talking about God healing. The other people were there to you know preach the gospel message, and uh, they just and you know we got to tell them about Jesus. But I was going, I'm I'm like heaven bent on you know seeing signs and wonders because I haven't seen one. So <laughs> I'm, like, I'm talking about this and I've heard, I'm just telling some stories about miracles that had happened. And then I tell the people to come up to the front and I said, we're going to pray for you. I've never done, really done that before. I mean, um, so I had, or I got off the stage and I had everybody come up and they started piling up to the front for prayer. And I'm going, oh, I'm nervous. And I look back at our people, and uh, there, there's three of them, and they're huddled together. And uh, and I said, "Get up here, guys! I've never done this before either. So you know, come on. <laughs> I'm ner- I'm just as nervous <laughs> as you." So they came up, you know, sheepishly. And first person I prayed for, she had tuberculosis. I prayed 15 seconds. I asked the translator how she felt, and the translator said, uh, "She said uh, it's gone." I go. Ask her, going to make sure. She says, it's gone. Second time, I go, eh, is she lying? He's like, what? I go, uh, never mind, let's just go to the next person. Because uh, I'm like, oh, that doesn't happen. Well, our headaches don't go away at home, and we pray for 15 minutes. <laughs> so what's going sure. on? I only prayed for 15 seconds. That just, just doesn't make any sense for that. And so uh, then the next one got healed, and then uh, the third one uh, got healed, and I was just kind of blown away. And then we did another um, another uh, um, uh, crusade. More people got healed. The kid with deaf ears, his ears opened up. Um, I remember one lady, she came up and she had a, um, uh, what was it? Uh, she had issues with her, bl- with her blind eyes. Or not blind eyes, I'm sorry, just bad eyesight. She had glasses on. I just put my hands on the side of her head, prayed. All of a sudden, she just went down like a, like a uh, like a building that right. got blown up by a def- demolition crew. Oh, that's <laughs> just hard. went straight down. She was out. Oh, and I'm man. going, well, I guess she's healed. <laughs> so I just go to the next person. 
because I'm learning all this stuff on the fly, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what to do and how to pray and what's appropriate. And, uh, and then one of the ladies, um, she was um, pregnant. She had a baby, and the baby had been still. It basically, it's, it's, it's hadn't been moving at all for several days. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how long, but it had not been moving at all. And so I put my hands on, prayed, I think, uh, took about maybe 20, 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden she says it moved. She felt it move. And then I kept my hands on her stomach and, um, I felt the baby move. Amazing. And she was really excited for that because she could start feeling all this activity going on right then when we prayed. So whether it's a rather resurrection or not, we got the results that we wanted and she went away happy and, uh, and God, uh, got glory in that. Another one was, I mean, one of the miracles that the, uh, the last crusade we had, the, 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 uh, the pastor had come up. Oh no, I'm sorry. The, the chief of the, of the of the village came up and he was Muslim. He was the first one who wanted prayer. Prayed for him. Jesus took away his body pain. It was gone and he just went away with a smile on his face. Once he turned around with that smile on his face, everybody came up for prayer. Amazing. <laughs> it opened up. Yeah. So it was cool. And that's what got it got me started seeing all that. And there was times out on the streets when I I saw people get healed. I was just, I would I would walk on the streets every day by myself. Just going out there, you know, I all I had to model was the book of Acts. And so I just went out there and was just excited to, you know, see what would happen. <laughs> and that's, I, it, it, it comes from that desire to see God. That's yes. really what it was. And, you know, I think that the religious spirit infuses into a lot of believers' minds and they, they look at signs and wonders is that you, you, their perception is, is that you are totally not looking at God but that's the whole point of the sign and the wonder it's like signs don't aren't meant to be worshipped like I don't look at the sign that says go right to Los Angeles and I don't get out of my car and I I start bowing down prostrating and worshipping that sign I go right to Los Angeles because that's where the sign points me that's why we do signs and wonders and I think um when people are looking at it and making an observation and they're looking how excited we get from signs, it's because they're not realizing what's triggering in the person's thinking about the reality of God. Because if a person falls down and when they get slain in the spirit, they're going, wow, God touched me. God touched me. God touched me. The, the king touched me. That's, mm-hmm. what they're, that's why they're so excited. Or they, God just healed me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really where this all comes from it's being impressed about god and and when when we all have this unbelief in us that of the suspicion is god really real well then you're boom you're getting your answer you're or you're getting support towards your answer no he really is because he just did a powerful act towards you and he was right in front of you and got to experience it rather than just talk about it and let it process through your head alone you know that's why signs and wonders are so big and the enemy hates them because they, he knows that it takes the human out of it. That's one of the biggest things that I will harp on is like if you're thinking that it's going to distract people, it's because you're just not using your brain. Again, it, it, Paul 
says in First Corinthians chapter 2, he says, Brethren, I didn't come to you with persuasive words or eloquent speech. I came to you with demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can't say that it came from me, but you can only say it came from God. Because it, uh, human beings are, are not that stupid, and they can, they can think and understand that when somebody does something supernatural like that, it didn't come from a human being. Which is why, you know, a lot of times people are going to go, well, they're just going to be focused on you, and they're going to, people are going to be uh, enamored uh, uh, about you. Uh, that's what happened at the Beggar of the Gate Beautiful uh, for, for a, a split second. Once, once they pulled him up and he said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have in Jesus Christ, you know, get up. Jesus' name, get up. And then he gets up and everybody stops in their tracks and they see what's going on. They're like, wow, this guy had been there for 17 years and, and he'd been in that place and now he's healed. And, and they go, th their first reaction was, are these guys some sort of gods or magicians? And, and it only took one verse, one sentence from Peter to just squash that. No, it was Jesus Christ who you guys crucified. <laughs> it wasn't really <laughs> difficult. It wasn't really hard to 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 unconvince these people. And and then he that then all of a sudden now he has an audience. He can preach where he couldn't have preached before. They would have just like, "Oh, crazies." But now they have power to validate their their testimony. And now cuz now they're going to listen because the miracle stops you in your tracks. The miracle takes your attention and opens up your heart and your ears to hear. And 5,000 people were added to the kingdom just because of that miracle, which is why miracles are so much more powerful than going out there and simply only using your mouth at times and handing out tracks and doing the, the atypical things that we always do because we don't know what to do when we don't have any tools to make evangelism better. Um, I'll tell you what, Steve. It, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 6, if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but only faith activated and the Amplified adds, and expressing and working through love. Yeah. One of the things that people, I think, really, really fail to understand is that the deepest, most profound Faith that a person can exhibit to walk in the greatest grace and manifest power of God is because it related to the fact that they are connecting into the very love of God as the power source. And how can you say that walking in the kind of faith that moves mountains is seeking the signs and not the face of God when it's the very love of God that's going to be the power source for you to live like that? Yeah. It, 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 and that's the thing is that you, what you're doing, I mean, at least what it says in First John is you're destroying the works of the devil. I mean, you're destroying unbelief in people when you're displaying God, the reality of God. Because, I mean, we're, we're trying to convince a world that this invisible God exists. And then we come to this rationalization in our mind that we're not supposed to do these things. We're just supposed to use our supreme intellect and try to argue with people that this invisible God exists. It's like, no, the point of the signs and wonders were to open up people's thinking because what is the whole purpose of why we're trying to do this? To get people back into the very thing that God always wanted, which was relationship. 
He wants them to experience his love. He wants them to experience the goodness of the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't want crying. He doesn't want sadness in their life anymore. He doesn't want um, heartache and, and, and all the pain that goes along with it. That's the whole purpose of everything we're trying to do is because he's a good father. He loves us so much. And he wants to keep us free from all these things. The motivation of any sign and wonder of why God does it, why God wants it done is because of love, because he wants to take his children out of a place of torment and put it in a place of joy and peace. Now, you mentioned a bit ago that you used to have a view that says, if I'm sick, it's the will of God. If I pray, it's the will of God. If good things happen, it's the will of God. If bad things happen, it's also the will of God. Everything that happens is the will of God. Now, you said used to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What changed? Um, a lot of things. Uh, I heard people talk uh, about that issue, and I remember first hearing that issue being brought up. And I disagreed with it vehemently, and I said, nope, God always wants you to be sick. God definitely wants you to be sick all the time because I, and you, you, we have you know, our typical evangelical Christian arguments to back that up. And I was on the, on the front lines to, to make, a, uh, make a, um, a stand for that. But once I started doing healing, and then I, I started hearing a different perspective on this, um, I, I am a thinker, so um, even though I might have been offended at first, it didn't mean that it, I would not think about what was said. And I, uh, I make, a, a, uh, make it a part of um, who I am to say that uh, the very things that offended me helped get me into freedom or out of depression because for a while I was actually in depression as a Christian. But my issue of depression came about how I viewed God. And it really is, and I'd say fundamentally, the reason why a lot of Christians have issues with God on the same level, the same place. Um, in one, it's one thing that I'm probably known for is when I talk about the issue of God's sovereignty. When I, if, because it's the thing that changed my life when I started looking at it from a different perspective and what sovereignty really is and, 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 and the age-old question is God really in control of everything and you know growing up in the church and I think any church pretty much any denomination is gonna, we're all going to agree that God is in control I mean that's been the status quo but when you when you start looking at things from a different perspective and especially when you start doing the stuff healing and deliverance you're going to see that God is not really in control of everything. And, and, it, and what people freak out and what I would have freaked out when I would hear that is how could God not be in control? He's God. Duh. He's God. He's all-powerful. So are you saying that God is not all-powerful, Steve? Is that what you're coming to? No, that's absolutely not what I'm saying. God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all those things. But what we fail to understand, and this is probably the heart of where I get to in my ministry of what I try to convey to people, is that we lack knowledge. We lack understanding about some of the critical things of the kingdom 
of God. In other words, we lack understanding in the way that God created this whole thing. And, and it's in that where we, we Christians ha don't have answers to a lot of these questions because we have a, a theology that keeps us from, from, from being able to see those things that we need to see that God has um, established on the earth. Okay. So for me, um, when I say to people, I say God is not in control of the planet. And people may freak out, and they're going, wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, wait a second, Steve, that makes no sense. You're, you're telling me that God's not in, in control of this planet. And I would say no. Uh, and, and, and the reason is, I would say, the reason why he didn't want to do this is because it would sacrifice the very thing that he wanted to give us, which was free will. And I would say the free will scripture is Genesis 126 through uh, 128, where it says, I've given you authority to rule and subdue the earth, referring to Adam, to take dominion over that. How in the world could that be possible if, if God is in control? We, we Christians don't, don't they, they rationalize it and they really don't have an answer. It's because they're trying to protect that theology. God did not take control of the earth. It doesn't diminish his power. It doesn't diminish his supremacy over the entire universe. But what it does say is that this all-powerful, all-knowing God chose not to take full dominion over this creation, which says a lot about God and who he is. Because if we were God, we would just say, no, no, I, if I was God, I'd be able, I'd want to intervene anytime I want because I would make sure that uh, everything would go right and perfect. Well, I mean, it shows in God's characteristics that he will let things go because he created it to do that. In other words, when Adam and Eve fell, he didn't just scrap up the earth. He didn't just, well, since it's screwed up, I'm just going to kill off Adam and Eve and I'm going to start over with a new, a new couple. No. That's this is not the way he this is not the way he works. He's very different. He's not he's not this person who just uh, when when failure go, uh, comes awry, uh, he's just going to intervene and just scrap everything. It's just not that type of person, which says a lot about his nature and who he is. So what I what I say is God's greatest gift to humanity is that God gave us or gave control gave up. His control over the earth. That's what it says in, um, uh, it says in uh, Psalm one sixteen, or thirteen. Could be wrong. Uh, the highest of the heavens of the Lord in the earthly realm He has given to man. So in other yep. words, what that looks like, what that looks like is that God is the owner of the planet, but He has made Adam and Eve the general manager. So when when the general manager is in charge of a business, the general manager does all the work. They do the hiring, the firing, they do the, uh, the coordinating, they, they do all the work, and they basically appeal to the owner for provision. But they're the ones that are in charge of it. They're the ones doing the work. And I don't think Christians really understand the system that God created. This is a system. And, and that l has led to the failure of understanding um, – or the lack of understanding of why bad things happen to good people. 
because they're thinking, God, why did you allow this or cause this or, you know, one of those things. And they're not realizing the dynamic how God created this government is that he couldn't stop it, not because he didn't have power to stop it, but because he was restricted by these laws that he implemented where he will not forego these laws. He will stand by these laws that he implemented since the beginning and will not cross those lines unless certain provisions are met where he can legally cross them. God is bound by God. He is bound by his own word. So he, when he establishes an order, he, he, and he is to abide by it, means he will abide by it to the death, the death of his own son. There is an order of blood has to be shed. And if people would go, well, if you're God, you could do anything you want. Nope, because you're not that type. God is a different type of person than you are. He doesn't do that. He doesn't supersede that. And so when he uh, established that order, that blood needs to be shed, he couldn't just forgive all of sin. It still had to go through the legal process of of the actual blood being shed. So he comes up with the plan of his own son dying and doing that. He loved his own son so much. He, he loved his son so much that he would literally um, have him sacrificed in this way. It, it, it just shows how committed he is to his own laws, his own rules that he has set up in the universe that he will still not forego them. We would think, well, if it was my son and I was a judge, I would just forego these own laws, and uh, I would just pretend I didn't see them. That's not God. He's very different than us. He is, that's why I believe one of the greatest attributes about God is his faithfulness. In other words, his faithfulness to his word, the faithfulness that when he makes a commitment or a promise, he will not break it. So when he tells you to go in the heart of Iraq and he says, I want you to go, and I want you to go up to the ISIS leader, and I want you to minister the gospel and, and know that you will not die and you not a hair will be touched on your head, what do you have that's going to keep you comfort? keep you comforted when he tells you to do that his innate faithfulness that you know that he is the god that cannot change he's the god that that said when he says something it's set in stone and that's the only thing we can bank on what if god chose to change his character and nature five million years down the road and he became this evil dictator that wouldn't be good for us a person who has all that power, that wouldn't be good for all of humanity if God chose to change his nature and character. The beauty about God is that he will never change who he is. He is a loving, caring God. I mean, when he says, when he, when he, when, when Moses proclaims and he talks about all these good things about his nature, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who gives loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, who is slow to anger, but by uh, no means lets the guilty go unpunished. All these good attributes about God, and then we talk about the, the justice part of God, but all there's four or five things that he emphasizes of his nature. What if God just changed on those attributes somewhere down the road that would be scary but the beauty about god is that he cannot change and he is always who he is we're so used to people making commitments and promises in our life and saying things and and breaking those promises we're used to human beings doing that we're not used to anybody being consistent and never changing that's what makes god so unique 
uh, among other things. That's and and so God's greatest gift to us is giving us our will to choose and have freedom because God doesn't want to have a relationship with robots. That's why nobody goes out and usually marries a rock unless uh, they need um, deliverance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but humanity wants relationship with something that can ha- can express love back and. And so he want his greatest gift was giving us our will, and our greatest gift to God is giving up that will to do His will. So when God takes control, and when you see supernatural miracles happen, it's when Christians obey, do His will, and then give up their own control and their own desires and their own will, and they do the will of God. And then you see God come in and take control of the situation. Then you see the blind eyes open. Then you see people get healed and set free, and God gets the glory. Because God takes control of that situation. Why? Because His church stand up and do something. And I and I when I talk to an atheist and they've heard you know Christians come up with the with the uh, um, uh, the the rationalization. Well, God is a loving God, but He's in control at the same time. And an atheist just like, okay, then why is He allowing little children to be get their heads chopped off? Why is He allowing little children to be raped? If I were God, I would have stopped that. And my answer is no. The reason is this is because God's not in control. Humanity's in control. God told His children to go stop that stuff. Throughout the world, His children are disobeying. That's why there's people starving in other countries. That's why this stuff is happening because God told His children to do this, and they're not doing it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said for them to go out there, and 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 bring and and bring the good news. And most and very few are doing this. And that's why we're having problems like this in the world, because that's how God designed it. And it's the church's fault why this stuff is happening. It's the church's fault why that person died. It's the church's fault because the church is not growing into the place where they're supposed to. And we should be so much further when it comes to the supernatural and why people are not getting healed in every instance. But we're having to play catch up because the church started moving in power really publicly 100 years ago. And so we're having to relearn this stuff, which should have been passed. The baton should have been passed, and we should be so far when it comes to doing deliverance, when it comes to doing inner healing and, 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 and physical healing. But now we're having to relearn this stuff and re-pioneer it because the ball was dropped somewhere along the way. And, and so when I look at what's going on, when, you know, that God gave dominion to us to, to destroy the works of the devil— it's because he that that was basically what Jesus came down here for was to get the authority of the earth, sit at the right hand of the Father, give us a model of how to do it, and then pass the baton on to us and to to do exactly what he did on earth. Um, and the re, the religious mindset, the religious spirit has be, made us believe that being a Christian was all about trying to survive and get to heaven. And that's that's pretty much why you're on on the earth was to survive, get try not to sin that much, get to heaven. Ooh, Steve. And yeah, you're spot on. I I have to say this: it was a pretty radical transition for me to realize that God is only in control where His people put Him in control. That's right. And so Jesus came and said, "Pray this way: Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name." Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I was forced to ask myself this question. I had to say, Daniel, 
Why do we have to pray for God's will to be done on earth if it's already being done? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all. You usually have to pray for something that's not being done. And here we find it's the very will of God. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You can't confront the devil in a radical way with the supernatural power of God until you realize that the devil in many cases is doing things he should not do and God does not want him to do. Right. Oh. Right. It's, I tell people, I go, look at it like this. I, do you really believe that God's in control of the world? And if that's the case, then uh, you're telling me and you're telling the rest of the world that this all-powerful, almighty God is in control of this place. You look at the world and I go, this is his handiwork. That just, that to me, that, that dumbs down his ability. When we look at how bad the world is in different aspects and how, I mean, throughout the ages, throughout, the, throughout humanity, I mean, throughout the centuries, that's God's handiwork. And I, when we look at this, I'm like going, my gosh, there's so much that we have to learn. I go, no, this is humanity doing this. These are human beings that are creating this mess. This is not, this is not God. This is, I, I go, you know what, heaven, what, what God in control looks like? It's heaven. There's no crying there. There's no death there. There's no mourning there. That's what God in control looks like. This is not God in control here. And you it's mentioned... A it's a lot to think about, Steve. This is a wonderful conversation. You made a comment that really struck me. You said, we're having to play catch-up because the ball got dropped. And you know what I'm thinking, Steve? I'm thinking this. I have the same promises in the word of God that were present in 1500 AD, in 1400 AD, in 1300 AD, same promises. Mm-hmm. But in my ministry, in my life, I mean, I've seen the following. I mean, I've certainly seen headaches healed. I've seen backs healed. I've seen mm-hmm. shoulders healed. I've seen nerves regrow. I've seen implants come out of people's body. I've seen a plethora the teeth move back in place there's some there's been some kind of bizarre stuff that's happened like wild miracles um yeah. <laughs> and storms manifest okay i the thing is though it's the same promises and i'm wondering wow if we're playing catch up on the same promises that are doing this now when it was you know all these people didn't have that where can these promises really take us when we push the limits on all that God really gave us in the new covenant in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Have you ever yeah. meditated? I mean, cause you've seen some, yes. you haven't yes. even gotten, we, we, we're like, <laughs> we're on theology. What are some of the other radical things that you've seen? Uh, well, I, when, when I started doing a lot of this, I started, it started out, I guess, realizing that I'd see uh, uh, joint injuries. I think when, when a person starts doing healing, they start seeing a lot of the joint injuries getting healed. Um, and, uh, you know, and I tell people, I go, usually start out from that point. If you're going to pray for healing, start out with those things. Um, not to say that certain diseases don't get healed, but um, 
when we're doing uh, diseases, there are different reasons why that's not happening. And again, it's not because God doesn't want you healed of it, but it's because we're lacking understanding about how these certain things happen. Now, I mean, there are times where when I would go out and I would pray and I would see um, I would see certain bones move back into place. I'd see uh, joints start to to uh, 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 to uh, you know if 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 some if a person's legs were you know cockeyed or whatever, they would just start to move back into place. One lady I remember praying for, um, you know that you you could pray for the legs to grow out. Well, we were praying for the leg to grow out, and I remember telling her leg to um, I think it was about an uh, inch or a half inch short, and I just remember telling it to grow out. Well, the the left leg was the shorter leg, and I'm telling no. Yeah, the left leg was the shorter leg, so I'm telling the left leg to grow out. Well, the right leg started growing longer, and I'm going, what the heck? And I'm starting to sweat, and it's growing significantly longer. And I'm telling that thing, uh, I'm saying left leg grow, left leg grow, and the, the right leg kept growing. And then you could see that the right leg was two inches longer than the left leg. And she goes, is that an optical illusion? And I'm going, uh, I don't know. Um, and I'm just scratching my head and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden her left leg starts growing without me praying and it just keeps going. And so when she was done, she was about an inch and a half to two inches taller when she was done. And she was a short woman to begin with. I just wasn't even thinking that, but it just started to come out. I've seen a, a pacemaker That's funny. Uh, disappear out of somebody's chest. Um, wow. Yeah. Gone. Uh, uh, I remember describe one time... des- describe that one to us. I, I, that that's profound, brother. I'm like, wow. The it pacemaker, just... literally, like you were looking at it under the s- shirt or just the shirt, just kind of like it just it was up and then it just went down. Uh, I mean, the, the the lump on the shirt just went down, and then and then we looked under and it was there was no more mark. There was no more. Um, there was no more anything underneath it. I was, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wild. Just, yeah. <laughs> so there was that. Um, I remember one time uh, there was this one lady, she had these sores all over her face, uh, pussy red sores. And, and I remember we were there and my friend, she was right, right there. And she was praying for her and we were laying hands on her and, and, she basically just hugged the lady, and when she was hugging her, uh, the lady just fell to the ground. And ten minutes later, we were dancing, and every single pussy sore on her face was completely healed. It was gone within ten minutes. Everything, her face looked just like immaculate. Amazing. So everything just went oop, down to nothing. Um, there were times where I would see um, uh, people's. Um, uh, Eyes. I would see their eyes, like when you'd see like the uh, the, the uh, fogginess in the eye of the cataracts. I just see their eyes start to get clear within a matter of seconds. That was weird. Um, uh, yeah, just I think a lot of the weirder things have come from deliverance. Um, one time we were praying for this girl, and I remember just speaking to her body, and I was just commanding certain things to come out of her body, and um, I didn't know really what her issue was, but when we were done, her leg had shifted to the left, 
and completely moved. And then her irritable bowel syndrome was gone. And then uh, her, um, uh, what was the, uh, gastritis was gone. I mean, and she was, what was funny is that when we were done, she's like, could, could this have been a little less evasive? <laughs> I go, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm just praying. Wait, are, and, are you uh, saying go, that they were unhappy with the administration of the miracle? I'm just I, kidding. I think she didn't, I don't think she realized she was healed yet. Oh my <laughs> Until goodness. Until she started walking to her car, her car. And then she's like, huh. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, then we we do so a lot of stuff out on the streets. Um, I rem uh, I I think I was talking to you about this where uh, I was out. Uh, I think it was the Castro District, um, and we were. Uh, this was in San Francisco. We were out on the Castro, and we saw this guy with a cane. And I go up to the guy with the cane and I go, "Hey man, can I pray for your leg?" And he's like, "Ah." Uh, no, it's, I'm an agnostic. I go, that's okay. God could still heal you. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm just saying, well, um, I, I go, look at it like this. If I pray for you and nothing happens, you're agnostic. If I pray for you, something happens. You just got something to think about. And then uh, he's like, uh, okay. So I put my hand on his shoulder right there and I start praying. And I get about maybe 15, maybe, I don't know, 10 seconds into the prayer. And as I start praying, um, his um, uh, he puts his shoulder down and kind of rolls it, and he, he starts freaking out. And he's like, "No, no, it's okay," because uh, he felt power go through his back, and he's so freaked out because he thinks I'm gonna I, I was just gonna walk away and pray. I prayed for him right there, and he just he starts bolting out of the way, and he's not limping anymore. He doesn't need his cane. He's got his cane up, and he's walking away briskly from us because he's so freaked out. And then he backs up into the doorway, and he doesn't want to come out. And he just kind of looks, and he's like, "What the heck?" And, and he he oh, he bends down, looks, and he sees we're still there, and he's he doesn't he stay he stays literally stuck in a doorway, and he he just didn't want to want us to see him because I think he was contemplating his agnosticism at that moment. Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, another cool one was when we were I was actually in San Francisco again. I was um, I was on Hayden Ashbury in a. Uh, guy asked me for a cigarette, and I told him no. And I said, um, uh, "Can I pray for you?" Because uh, he told me he had a bad rotator cuff. I said, "Can I pray for you?" He goes, "Oh no, bro, I'm a Satanist." I go, "That's okay. God could still heal you." And uh, I kind of use the same line. And the guy's just—he kind of blowing me off, and he's telling me all this perverted stuff. Jesus is this, God is this, and I go, "That's fine. That's fine if you want to believe that." Uh, but I see a lot of love in you. And he looks at me like I'm nuts because I'm trying to speak to a spirit man. That's sure. Darkness. Pull that thing out. And so, because I'm not, I'm not going to. The demon just wants me to, to get, get on, go on a rabbit trail. I'm not going to bite. So I, uh, I, he, he, he keeps on. He goes on. He tells me what, what's wrong with Jesus and God and all that stuff. And I said that's fine. But I just want you to know. I just see there's just a lot of love in you. It gets covered up. People just can't see it, but I can see it. And then he. He goes on and he stops what he's doing. He tells me his versions of how he's shown love to people. And it's his, I would say, wounded view of looking at love. But to him it was significant. Um, long story short, I heard what he had to say and I didn't judge him for any of it. And I just said, hey man, um, uh, before I go, can I pray for your shoulder? And he's like, uh, okay. Because he felt like he 
felt a little more comfortable with me. And then I put my hands on his shoulder, pray for his shoulder. His shoulder got healed. He's like, he can't believe it. He can't believe his shoulders, his rotator cuff, because it, it, it was hurt. It was ripped up. And I said, I told you Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He absolutely loves you. And now he's not arguing with me. He's not trying to tell me what, what, what I'm doing wrong and all this stuff. He, he is just listening to what I had to say. And I said, have you ever felt the Holy Spirit? And he's like, no. I go, dude, it's better than any high you've ever been on. I, he's like, well, I've taken a lot of drugs, man, and peyote's pretty pretty up there. Well, I said, I said, well, you haven't tried the Holy Spirit, dude. It's, it's better than anything. And he's like, I go, would you like to try it? And he's like, uh, oh, okay, sure. And so I put my hands on his chest, and I just start praying the Holy Spirit, just fire to come. And he starts getting lit up. And he's starting to tremble. His hands are shaking. He's like, whoa. And he just feels the presence of God coming all over him, the love of God just filling him up. And I start prophesying over him, and I just – I get these words for him. And then he's, he's, tears are starting to come down his eyes, and he says, that's what my mom used to say to me when I used to be a Christian 14 years ago or a pastor 14 years ago. That's what he said. And, 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 and I gave him a hug and, and I, and then I saw a vision and, and I said, I said, you know, the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus is going to visit you tonight when you're, when you're, uh, wherever you're at, he's going to visit you tonight and he's going to give you direction. And that was the last time I saw him. But, um, the Lord taught me a lot through that. He taught me about why love is, is the thing that brings down the walls. Truth is what sets free and power validates truth. So when you operate in those three things like Jesus was doing, you're going to – you have a, a, a real um, – you have the best path possible to set people free. Truth, mm -hmm. power, love, Amazing. or power uh, – or sorry, <laughs> mm -hmm. love, power, and truth. You it's move in that way. It's, it's just beautiful. I – want to run a scenario by you. Now, this is very interesting, Steve, because anyone that's moved in the realm of gifts of healing or seen God work miracles has run into this kind of thing. Okay, so there was one day I was praying for a guy, right? And there was something up with his, I believe this one was a shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so I was praying for him and I you know, laid hands on him, prayed for his shoulder. And he was having very big issues with the love and acceptance of God. So God doesn't love me. God doesn't accept me. It's like, okay, well, sure he doesn't, right? But I'm going to pray mm -hmm. for you. And I was praying for him. And so I prayed for him and I said, how does your shoulder feel? He's like, well, it's about 50% better. And I'm like, okay, you see that God's already begun to heal your shoulder. But he already started. He can finish healing your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that God's going to finish what he started? He's like, uh, Wow, I didn't, well, I guess so. So I prayed for his shoulder again, and mm -hmm. he was like, it's about 90%. Mm -hmm. And then he said this, Daniel, if my shoulder gets healed 100% today, then I will believe that God loves me. Mm -hmm. His shoulder stopped at 90%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, you, you can't do that. It, see, the evidence is already in front of you. All you did was plant doubt and yeah. unbelief. And for this reason, even Jesus could not do many great works. 
Have you ever seen anything like that or similar to that in your own ministry? Or maybe something in the realm where a person was healed by God and then surrendered it through unbelief later on down the road. Yeah, and I think it well I think it comes down to the understanding of like well so 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 like for me when I got into deliverance it it, it like opened up a, the a whole new world because I I realized there's a lot of a lot of people out there who just do the healing but they don't do the del- deliverance aspect of it. When you don't do the deliverance aspect, you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of other healings that need to go through deliverance. There's some things that just need to, to go through that. You, I, that's why Jesus went to some people and he said, deaf and dumb spirit, come out. He didn't say, be healed, ears be healed, uh, eyes be healed. You know, With every case, he did that with some cases because Jesus knew what needed to be done for each door to be unlocked because every scenario was different. That's why you can have two cases of arthritis in the left hand and you can pray for healing and one gets healed but the other one doesn't uh, because it's rooted differently in other people and by the way they think. And we're not realizing how much of a uh, demonic influence is on some of these things. And I think a lot of times when people do ministry and you're, you're going out there and you're doing – sometimes I, I just call it five and fly. You know, you're just doing a quick healing and, and you're going to go away. Sometimes their, their sickness is going to return on them. And the reason why that sickness returns can be many reasons, or it doesn't fully get healed. Um, but you have these different scenarios that when you see behind the veil, you you actually see what's really going on, and that's why you're going to have to use a different tool for this. And I remember asking the Lord this question. I said, Jesus, did any of the people that you prayed for lose their healing after? And then he said – that's what I felt him say. He said, uh, uh, well, when you're praying for healing, who does the healing? You do. What makes you think it's any different from today and then? It's still God doing it. The thing is is that there is a choice when it comes down to free will, and this is where it's un- important to understand God not being in control and understand the demonic structure about how they work uh, on the inside and how, they, how well they really know the law. And because of our ignorance – of how these things work, we don't realize that some things need to go a specific way, and that that not it, sometimes it is based on the other person. Um, but I think people have strayed away from that issue that it could be on the other person getting healing because of the way I think maybe some healing ministries or deliverance ministries would throw it on the person in back in the past where they say, "Oh, you're just." You're purposely not trying to, you know, uh, you know, forgive your mom. Or you, there, there are people in your past you don't want to forgive, but they don't realize that it's it's not just you know an issue like that. It's sometimes things that the demonic tries to hide, and it's the and it's them also in the mindset that the person's thinking at that moment. So that guy's, you know, he had that issue with his shoulder and it stops at 90%. He, uh, what I got when you were saying that is I just saw that the demon heard that thing and he goes, oh, look, <laughs> this is where we're going with this. And we're going to stop, we're going to we're gonna hold it right there and we're not going to get the complete root out because this guy is definitely not even on board and he won't get the complete root out because he's not even, 
he's not in that place where he realizes that this is a spiritual issue that I'm not saying that he had to be told that but the thing is is that um, he should have already believed that when the when he, you were praying that power uh, or that the pain was already decreasing that should have been his evidence right there whether he whether or not it completely was gone to me it sounded like he just had more of an issue with God and he once may have walked with God I don't know um, but the thing is is that it's almost like if you don't do this for me, God, then I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to believe in you. But you already kind of do believe. That's why you even made that declaration uh, sometimes. But uh, people will look at it and they will they they will they will try to put this condition on it. And it just to me, it's almost like uh, a person who who goes down that path to try to get God to jump through hoops. Their heart wasn't ready for it, anyways. To be fully committed because it most likely it was a demonic spirit if if in, in my opinion when i've seen when you're seeing things that you pray for and you lose the healing most likely it's a demonic spirit and if and if you're getting resistance when you know you're 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 uh you're seeing progress and then it just stops it's because you're dealing with some sort of demonic spirit that's actually blocking it and he's warring against it and uh, the guy's heart definitely played a significant role into preventing it from going further. I've, I've seen that several times, several times. Mm -mm -mm. That's why I've transitioned my ministry from just praying over laying hands on people because it's not always going to be the solution. And uh, the people that come to me for healing, they've been prayed over millions and millions of times. And I go, I, I'll just be straight up with him. I'm not going to lay hands on you because <laughs> I know it, it most likely is not going to work. And even if it did, you're just going to lose it. I'm just going to be frank with you uh, because of the way – and and, it, and it's also based on their in the, the type of thing that they're asking for. Normally, certain diseases that I could already tell I are, are, are demonically related. Um, the things that uh, – like joint injuries are the ones that usually will get healed and can stay healed unless it's a nagging one and it keeps coming back with the spirit of trauma that's on it that's trying to prevent it from being heal from healing itself. Um, but there's there's a lot of little dynamics that are going on in it, and I don't think Christians really understand these dynamics that we have to use certain tools for certain healings, and some healings are not going to be instantaneous. And I think the thing is this is that when people look at Jesus as the reference point, they're not realizing that Jesus is using with un, uh, doing ministry on unlearned non-believers. He wasn't doing it on Christians. And getting Christians healed is, all, is much more difficult than getting a non-believer healed. And, it's funny and, how that can be the case in a, a lot of situations. Yes. And, it, and, and I... Go ahead. No, no, I... I, even like going overseas and, and mission field and all of that, this may be part of the reason why, you know, there have been reports where it's easier, so to speak, to get people healed overseas. It's, well, there's not a ton of unbelief in the way. They're already into local types of witchcraft and different yeah. kinds of regional religious practices. And it's all supernatural stuff. Life is, it's just the way of, they're thinking less barriers yeah. and boundaries. There's that. Mm -hmm. There's that. Yeah. There's that. The other thing is this: is that w w like just even if I I pray for for non-believers here, it's it's a lot easier than praying for Christians here. And the reason that I 
have felt is I, I believe the Lord had showed me one day when I was actually I was fasting through this week and I was I've been actually praying for over this issue for about a year why that was or why that was and um, and so you know because I would go to meetings and I would see you know powerful healing evangelists come through there and when it came, they come to uh, you know America and they go through these meetings uh, the majority of everybody in those wheelchairs left in wheelchairs. And uh, they've seen he people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs, but it doesn't mean uh, um, it doesn't mean it's just going to happen. I, I remember one one time praying for this this guy, and and we were praying over his um, his right side. Uh, his right side, he had a stroke. His he couldn't move his arm. He couldn't move his leg. He couldn't move his. Uh, uh, he he had all these issues. And I re I remember we were praying, and his arm started to move involuntary like come, going up and down, and he had his eyes closed, and then it stopped moving, and I said, hey, uh, so do you do that often? And he's like, what? Move your arm. He's like, I didn't move my arm. I go, yes, you did. You moved your arm just now. It's like, and then he starts moving it up and down, and I'm praying for him, and his leg starts kicking me involuntary, and and then it started to, it started to happen, and, and, and he'd get healing, and then he'd lose it the next week. Um, later, we saw in the spirit like a python wrapped around him. So every time he'd get progress, the demon would just take it away. Uh, because we were using the wrong method to make the the healing happen. The uh, the and he was a Christian. Uh, the, the thing is, is that when you're dealing with Christians, um, Jesus has says says this in Scripture. He says, "To much has been given, much more is required." When you're doing deliverance, and you ask a demon, "What right do you have to be there?" The demon will say, "They want me here. There are this reason." Da 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 da. And they're just basically, you know, I mean, you know, they're basically saying, um, I can be here because the person's free will has empowered me. Now, when it comes to a non-believer, even when they have a demon on them, it's almost like when you when you do the, the or it's not just a non-believer because there are Christians or not there are non-believers here in the United States that have a Christian background and they've walked away from God because they grew up in the church. The more you have knowledge of something and you're choosing not to do it, it's kind of like a demon that comes to the Father and says, hey, this person is fearing. They knew over a hundred times in your scripture to say not fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. And they're choosing to do it. I can torment them because of the laws of free will. And you can't stop me, God. I can do this. And, and, and you have to watch your son, your daughter be tormented by me legally. And you can't do it. In other words, it's not like it's not like this is this is something where God has to permit it and he's like going, Well yeah, I want want it to happen to teach you a lesson. But it's like it's like this. Since um since there are places over the earth that are not in the dominion of God, these are areas that until you take dominion, God doesn't really have power over, which is why there's crime, which is why there's hor there's horrible atrocities that go on. Obviously, God's presence isn't there. So if your father, your earthly father, tells you don't go in this neighborhood at night, says don't go in this neighborhood at night, and you go, why? Because you'll get beat up. Well, just you'll protect me. No, no, no. Don't go in this neighborhood at night because I won't be there to protect you. So don't go in that neighborhood at night. And then you wander in that neighborhood, you get beat up, and now you go to the hospital. Now your father has to visit you in the hospital, and he's sad because he sees you how badly beaten up you are. And he told you not to go there because they can actually beat you up. And yes, it was against the law 
for them to do that, but they could do that. And it's the same thing with the demonic. They can do these things, even though it's against the will of God. Even the, They can give people cancer. They can give people sickness and disease because the, the, the world is not under the full control of God and the full dominion of God. They can do these things. So he tells you don't do these things, and when you don't obey, you're subject to the enemy and the protection of you're, – you're pulling yourself out of that protection, not because God is trying to penalize you. It's just because you don't understand the laws of free will. And so that's why it can happen. So the, as a Christian, the more you get taught, the more the demonic uses it against you. The more you have understanding and you're not doing what he says to do, you, that's what they hold against you. So when they go to the courts of heaven and they present it of why they can torment you, the, there's their evidence. They go, hey, this basic, basically this person, this Christian knows not to fear, but they're believing us over you, God. They're choosing to step into our world. So we have access towards them. It's like you're being you're in a castle of protection. You step outside of that castle, you're no longer under that protection. That's why he said don't step outside of the walls. Because he can't protect you outside of that realm. And 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 so as as Jesus is doing ministry, Jesus is starting Christianity. People are now learning about these things. And so Jesus is speaking to unlearned people. That's why that's why Jesus doesn't have to get them to repent or renounce some of these things to get them free. He could just cast it off. Why? Because they're ignorant, because they get grace, because God is a fair God. But the more you learn, the more you're accountable to it, which, is, which makes a lot of sense why certain things don't always come off, especially when it comes to diseases, when you're praying for Christians. And I mean, you could pray to your blue in the face, cast out as many demons as you can, and, and nothing is breaking off. I mean, I've, I've been in it with certain people. I remember going, uh, being invited to go pray for this one lady at this house. And, and, and they're saying, they're saying, Steve, can you pray for her? And I could already tell this is not going to go good. I knew what the issue she had, and usually that type of issue comes. It's it's you need major inner healing if you're going to get healed of that. And and I and and how long she's been a Christian, and I knew the attitude that she had, and I I walked into that place, and the unbelief was just so palpable. <laughs> it was just so strong. The defeat in that room was so bad, and I I just told her I I said, uh, well, this is the route. If you want to get healed, this is the route we're going to have to go. Um, because you're not going to get instantly healed. And even if I did muster up enough power, the Holy Spirit flowing through me, you'll just lose it because I can already, I, I've, I've seen this scenario too many times. But if you want to get rid of it, this is the route we're going to have to go. I remember um, uh, Kenneth Hagin has a story of this guy who he'd hang around, this one guy was around Kenneth Hagin and he had this, uh, he had this sickness, but when he was around Kenneth, the, the disease, he wouldn't feel it anymore. And then when he'd go away from Kenneth, he, he'd feel it again. And he asked Kenneth, he goes, what's up with this? And Kenneth said, um, he said, actually, that's something you're going to have to work out on your own. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something you're going to have to do, with work out with the Lord, and he's going to work it in your heart. And it basically took the guy a year, and he got healed of it, and it stayed healed. Um, there are just certain things when it comes to inner healing that like like when it comes to autoimmune diseases and i'm and there's the exception to the rule but when you when you're dealing with autoimmune diseases 
you're dealing with illnesses that are affecting the person's body and it's usually because of years of trauma emotionally through the person and when the person is going through a lot of fear a lot of anxiety a lot of anger a lot of stuff through their childhood through their uh, their teenage years your body is secreting dopamine and serotonin and an adrenaline and your body is not made to function like that so when your your body's releasing all these chemicals in the in a different in different forms or different concoctions it creates different autoimmune diseases. It can create a different autoimmune diseases by the breakdown of your nerves. And so normally the person's going to feel the effects of these things in their late teens and 20s or even late 30s or, or, or sometime in their 30s. It, in, in, in their, their demons are involved, but the way the demons are involved is to promote the emotional issues in the person. So you can... You can try and, and heal all you want. Like I've prayed for people with lots of diseases like that. The pain will just diminish and go away, but it'll come right back when they have a flare-up or when they have an outburst or when something's going on. When you heal the heart, the body gets healed. And I really believe that's the intent for what God wants to do with believers is that he wants them to be healed from their, from their inner core. And as their inner core gets healed, their body gets healed. And I, I mean I'm of the personal belief that Normally, we shouldn't even be getting sicknesses. We shouldn't be getting common colds. We shouldn't be getting a lot of these things. And, and it, but we we kind of accept it as, as say that's just normal life. But technically, we should be going back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. Our body shouldn't even be decaying, just like Jesus's body didn't decay. That's why he had to come around and get his, get his body, or it'd still be around today, because he lived through a place of full inner healing, of full deliverance. And, and, and so the glory would permeate through his entire being, and his body would, would not feel any uh, form of decay because his cells were so uh, uh, so alive. Sure. And, it's almost like the physical body is plugged into the spirit and is drawing its yeah. life from the spirit. Yeah. You, you know, There's I, no filter. I have um, – Two stories. I'm I'm torn between them, and I think I'm going to share part of one and another one because this really begins to illustrate some of the depths of what you're getting into right now. There there was one case I remember a few years ago where I had started going to a church's prayer group. I wasn't even going to the church; it's just going to their prayer group. And I I'm not going to get into the whole way I found myself in that situation, but there was a lady there. And I used to hate the way she prayed because, first of all, she was in a wheelchair. Second of all, maybe it was that she walked with um, like a walker. And her, her hands, she had them in um, wraps or whatever because she always had pain in her hands and her shoulder. And there was some other kind of thing wrong. I mean, she was really hurting. And every time she go to pray for someone on the, the church prayer list that had some kind of sickness, she'd say, well, Lord... I know that not everybody that gets prayer gets healed, right? Because she wasn't mm -hmm. healed. And I don't know where they are in life, but I just pray that you would give them peace in their situation. You know, that's how she would pray for the sick. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Can someone else please pray for the sick? Because this is not this is not effective prayer. If, if I was yeah. on that prayer list, I would say, just take my name off the list. I, I don't need peace right now. I need someone to pray the power of God on my situation. Please just mm -hmm. don't, don't <laughs> take my name off the list. I'll pray for myself. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
you know, I was there, though. I kept my mouth shut because I was not in charge. And I was just there as a visitor. And I, I, I you know, just pray with them at that level that they were at um, <clears throat> the best I could. I felt like it was an assignment. But there was one day where it just got in my spirit. And I was just like, oh, can I pray for you? And, and, you know, I'm thinking what just came out of my mouth. This is I really just set myself up here because I knew she didn't have faith to be healed. And I knew that no one else there had faith for her to be healed. And I was basically going to be in this tough, really, really tough situation. And I know you know what I'm talking about. And maybe some of those mm-hmm. in our listening audience know what I'm talking about. When you've tried to pray into unbelief, you better yeah. be ready. Um, and so they also didn't believe in any of the gifts of the Spirit, really, not tongues or anything. So uh, the day that I was going to pray for her, it was like the next week. It was actually just me, her, and one of the elders in the church at, at, at the prayer meeting. It was only three of us. And so I yeah. said, well the less the merrier here and so i said well you know i, I want to pray for you after we're done praying for the church list or whatever um just understand though that i do pray in tongues and and uh, steve i said i will never do this again but i did it that time i was very very nice and i said if that would make you uncomfortable i will not pray in tongues <laughs> Well, she was like, no, I'm okay with that. But the elder, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Oh, come on. So then I was like, all right, take one of my spiritual weapons and just put it on the floor. I'll tie one hand behind my back and try to do this thing. And of course, I'm up against the wall. I mean, it is everything's broken and it's no faith. And... As I begin to pray into it, then I immediately realize that the elders in my way, it, you know, it's like there is an additional element to overcome where I'm not only praying into her healing and battling her unbelief with my faith. I was battling his unbelief with my faith because he's sitting yeah. there like, huh, let's see what this guy's going to do. Mm-hmm. So double whammy right but then we begin to go into some some strange stuff right because the power begins to hit and yeah. she begins to cry because the pain gets worse <laughs> yeah because now all the Happens demons that are working on that debilitation get nervous and they say we can play on the unbelief here if we just buckle down and make it worse maybe he'll get so nervous he'll stop and they'll drive mm-hmm. him right out of here and we'll hold on <laughs> yeah So I said, listen, we're on multiple levels here. We're fighting with your body. We're fighting with unbelief. And we're also fighting with the demonic. But I kept praying into it. And of course, it helps if you can pray in tongues, because sometimes that opens up. You can get interpretation back. And that'll be a revelation from God for the situation you're in. I couldn't do that because I already agreed. I'm, I'm laying that one down. I have one hand behind my back. Then she begins to see this. She says, I see as so. So God opens up her vision, shows her what's going on. As it's getting worse, he said, I see myself. It's like I'm in a field. And then I see all these angels. They're over there. But there's Mm -hmm. this wall and they can't get past the wall. Yeah. And I said, aha, see, the provision of God was already sent. It's being blocked. It's being blocked. Right now we are blocked. It's already, it's not like God wants you sick and he already sent the answer. But in the spirit, there is a wall and it is being blocked. And this is actively occurring in real time right now. That whole night was a mess. 
And I'll tell you what, I was very, very upset. But this was my vindication. She left, and, and, and I'm, I'm skipping a bunch, right? But essentially, it got worse, worse, worse. And all this stuff happened in the spirit. And then I just said, God, we've been here for like an hour. Let her body return to the state it was in when she got here. And immediately, everything lifted, and she went right back to the state that she was in when it got supernatural. Right mm-hmm. back. So all the increased pain, gone. And she was yeah. able to get back and, you know, waddle her way to her car with her walker and everything and go home. Because we at one point, it was like, is she going to the hospital because Dan's praying for her? I mean, it was like that yeah. bad. Oh, my yeah. gosh. You know, I oh, – Steve. I found myself in some really tough situations. Thank you, Jesus, for yeah. pushing the envelope, right? And 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 so then, but this is this was my vindication. The next morning, she t- she called that elder, and she said, "When I woke up, I was ninety percent better." Mm. She had a huge shift overnight, yeah. and. The next week, I showed up to that prayer meeting, and there was only two people there, me and that elder. Can I tell you what? The elder fessed up. He said, I don't know what to make of this, but she called me the next day and said this thing. She was much better. And I was like, mm-hmm. And, this, and, and, and Steve, this is when I was still nice. I'm not nice like this anymore, but this is when I was still nice. And then he said this. He said, if this is what it looks like to move into signs, wonders, and whatever you call this power of God, I don't think that I want it. I, I could have punched him in the throat. But, <laughs> Steve, this is the state of the church. And this is what people are up against. They don't realize what's really going on behind the scenes when they begin to pray. There's a lot of mechanics in the spirit realm that go into motion when people challenge the state that the devil has left the earth in. Yeah. With their faith. Now, there's another example I want to share real quick before, because I know that you're like biting at the bit to respond to some of this stuff, right? <laughs> um, okay, talking about the trauma, right? Well, on this uh-huh. program, we talk a lot about fragmentation and trauma and, and how that's leveraged into mind control, that an altar is a fragment of a, a person's non physical existence, soul and spirit, yeah. and some portion of those. And so, what happened when I was praying with one individual is that they had a lot of pain in their neck and back. Yeah. They said, why do I have all this pain in my neck and back? And so we minister into it and I meet one of their altars. Mm-hmm. And this fragment of the individual had been tortured. And yeah. not only that, had it received some serums some needles with some chemicals in it that enhanced muscular function and capacity and strength yeah this was a super soldier type augmentation and i'm, I'm not going to call it that because i don't know that it was that for sure but it was some kind of muscular augmentation type procedure that was done and yeah. because of what that part of the person went through he said i don't trust god to protect me so I must be able to protect myself and I will keep my augmentation so that if I have to come and protect this individual and come to the surface, be present, um, 
I will have that ability. But holding on to the ability was literally keeping God from healing the muscles that were creating all of the residual pain. But yeah. the person wasn't holding on to the pain. It was a dissociated fragment of them that yeah. was holding on to the procedure and what was done for them. And until the ministry occurred and they were able to experience the love of God and have a change in their view of Jesus, that healing, well, how could it come? They had to surrender yeah. something. And it was human. That, was a, that wasn't even demonic. Right. It, it gets deep. Yep. That's what I mean. For a lack of knowledge, people perish. Lack of knowledge, people don't get healed. Because most of the church don't understand fragments. They don't understand how deliverance works. So when you don't understand these things, they're just, you're all, the, say, if, if you just want to, you want to um, categorize it and you want to say uh, there's 35% of people will get healed through power healing. 35% will get healed through deliverance. 35% will get healed through integration. Um, you have, um, you have, you know, if you're only moving in power, you're only going to see 35% of the people get healed and stay healed because you are not fully operating in all the tools to get the job done because some things need to be done a certain way. And, and so it's, I, that, that's pretty much, what I've tried to explain to a lot of people is that these different scenarios of how healing has to happen, uh, we, we need to be fully aware of it. I mean, we, I, I, I could go on for days when it just comes to fragments and, and altars and, and seeing how a lot of that is related to a person's pain. When, it, when we're dealing, when I'm dealing with somebody's emotional stuff and they have a lot of pain through the body, much of it's connected to the altars. Yes, demonic is on that, but it's the way the demonic is operating through parts. And and so when we're really – what I've seen is that when we're really doing deliverance, we're doing it out of that, those arenas. We're pulling them off of, uh, off of people's parts that are in those scenarios. Um, what I was going to uh, say was that – what's funny is that when I started doing deliverance on people, um, I didn't realize that some of them – some of the deliverance I was trying to do was on people's parts. And I didn't, I, cause I didn't really have a good understanding for that. I knew it kind of existed, but, uh, I remember working with a friend and I was doing deliverance on him and all of a sudden he curls up in a little ball and he goes, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, no, no. And I didn't know what to really pray. So I'm just saying, Jesus, come and do something. <laughs> you know, he's curled up in this ball, but he's saying, no, Jesus, no. And when we were done, he told me what he saw. He saw, himself as a little boy in a jail cell and Jesus coming into that room and raping him. That's what he saw. And that was like my first real encounter with a part. And, and so I'm going, huh, that's, that's interesting. Um, but what had happened, Jesus had integrated that part and we realized obviously that that was a demon. That wasn't Jesus, of course, but it was a demon posing as Jesus. And it was creating this, hatred or this fear towards Jesus. And when that part got integrated and got healed, um, it was like there was a, a shift inside of him of this resistance toward Jesus was gone, where it was present throughout, I, he would say, most of his life. 
but when he felt that go, it was different. And I realized that most people, we, that most people have got junk and, and to actually fracture, to get your soul fractured, you don't have to necessarily go through the worst trauma in the world. I've seen basically it's, it's how a person, how a person re reacted to it as a child. When when we get into that place of I can't take this anymore I can't do this anymore and all and and and, it, and what we're doing is that we're 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 creating a a a diversion of pain so we don't have to deal with it and sometimes that's the only option for children I think I think God did create this ability in us to do this because if we didn't do it we wouldn't be able to handle really tough situations because it would be constantly ringing in our heads of of a molestation or somebody or massive rejection or something in our life it's the only way we can cope but it's those what i've seen are the very wounds of why people have the issues that they do a lot of times um what i've seen just in my experience that the majority and i'm saying the majority because so far i haven't seen it proven otherwise but i'm just doing it just because i don't want to be dogmatic but the majority of what I would say phobias or anxiety attacks are fragments in people and and PTSD are fragments uh, and, and what you're seeing is the person um, you're seeing that little part come up and operate through the core of the person and they're and they're uh, you know whatever it is what whatever's going on and and their their uh, their their mind and they're freaking out the reason why they're freaking out is because they're not they're definitely not operating from their spirit man and their soul is just kind of going along with it but it comes from that little place where that little parts hurt and the demonic is actually tormenting it at that moment that's why they got triggered that's why it came up um, I remember one time I was working with my girlfriend um, and or no we were just going somewhere and she had a headache and rather than just praying for a for a healing overhead, I just said, let me find out what's there. And I said, whoever on the inside is causing your head to hurt, I want you to come up right now. I just want to talk with you. You're not in trouble. Just know it's okay. This little girl comes up. And I said, why, why are you, um, what's wrong? She's like, well, we're, we're going to get to the place, uh, or we're gonna, the, the destination where we're going, we're, we're going to be late. I go, and you're going to be, you're going to be frustrated. I go, it's, no, it's okay. If we get there, if we don't get there on time, it's totally okay. I'm fine. She was worried. This little part in her was worried uh, about 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 me being upset. And I just reaffirmed her that I that I wasn't upset and gave her a hug right there. The head and and she went back down and I had her come back up. And the headache was completely gone. Just instantly like that. <laughs> body pains. I've seen so many body pains related to certain parts in a person that will that will um, operate in, in different ways. So when we're dealing with people who have autoimmune diseases, usually there's so much internal torment going on inside of their mind and the and their heart. It's coming from that location. It's coming from that area. And so uh, the majority of what I do with people is I do work with those soul parts and I just get them to come up and as those parts keep getting healed and integrated their body literally starts getting healed because they were the ones that were causing 
well, the person to react or giving the influence on the inside to, for the person to react out of stress, out of fear, out of anger. I don't know, but if you've seen this, I'm sure, of course you have. You're dealing with um, somebody who's really angry, and you're like going, why in the world am I acting this way? Why, you know, I'm a Christian, and I know better, but I'm so, I'm acting, you know, definitely not my identity. Well, it's because that's not you, because that it's a, it's a part in you that's hurt. It's a part in you that's angry. It's a part in you that that just needs a touch of Jesus. And they ha e either they are not in that place where they've encountered Jesus yet because they're still stuck in a dimension, and the demonic is still influencing it out of fear, out of all these scenarios. But um, but they just need to be touched by Jesus. And so I, I get the part to come up, and then we deal with it, and uh, and Jesus comes in, integrates it, takes the part. And we get him healed. One lady, um, she was telling me, she's like, I have a fear. As we were just having a casual conversation, she said she had a fear of knives. And I go, well, let's um, let's find out where that comes from, because it comes from somewhere. I mean, it just doesn't come from a, a little little cell in your brain that makes you afraid of of flat steel that's sharp. There's a reason why. There's always a reason why that that's the case. So let's find out where that comes from. So I called up the little part, and this 60-year-old woman has um, this little girl, a little four-year-old comes up, and I go, she starts talking like a little girl. I go, so what's going on? Why are you afraid of night? She's like, because they kill animals. And so she's telling me how they kill animals. And uh, back, when, back when she was a little girl, she, uh, her family was poor, and they would take a little, they would take animals, cute animals that she liked, and they'd kill them right there, and it really... It, it traumatized the little girl. And so I said, oh, you know, yeah, okay. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I go, do you know who Jesus is? She goes, well, kind of. I go, he's really awesome. You'd really like him. He's this awesome guy. He's, he loves kids, you know. And she's like, really? I go, yeah. I go, would you like to meet him? She's like, sure. Now, keep in mind, this woman, she operates by faith. She's a faith healer herself. She's been... She's been doing ministry for many years, but there's this little girl in her who, who hardly knows about Jesus and has, his, has these little fears. And, and so it's completely uncharacteristic of the actual core of the person. I have this little girl um, call in. Well, I, ask, I tell her, I go, would you like to have Jesus come? She's like, well, does he have knives? I go, uh, no, Jesus doesn't have knives. And she's like, okay. And she calls in Jesus, and Jesus comes in, and she sees him, and she goes, he, I see him. He's got a knife, and I'm going, oh no. <laughs> and then, and she goes, oh wait, he turned it into a flower. And so I said, okay. So she, uh, Jesus turned the knife into a flower, gave her the flower, put his arm around her, started hugging her. I just, just coordinating the interaction between the two, and then, uh, and then she was felt comfortable with Jesus, and Jesus integra we integrated her. And then uh, I said, now go to the kitchen and go look at the knives. She goes to the kitchen, looks at the knives, and she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've been fearful of knives my entire life. I feel nothing, absolutely nothing. Hmm. I go, right, because the one who was afraid, who the little girl who was afraid inside is no longer there to, to be triggered anymore. And she's like, what's weird, Steve, is I want to actually draw, draw flowers on the knives. That's so weird. I go, yeah. <laughs> Another girl, just uh, uh, two days ago, she has this major fear of clowns. 
And I told her, um, I just said, well, this is somebody inside because fears just don't come from nowhere. And I mean, we know demons help produce these fears. They talk to the fragments. They talk to those parts. They speak to them. They constantly keep them fearful by showing up to them in uh, scenarios. And um, so she, uh, I had the little part come up, and she told me why. She's, she had nightmares. This little girl comes up. She says, I have nightmares, and she would saw, saw movies. Long story short, we just got the part to come up, um, had Jesus come in. Jesus hugged her. Jesus uh, ministered to her, had her. She gave Jesus something out of her chest. Um, once that happened, uh, she was integrated. I had her look at a picture of a clown on, on the Internet. Instantly, it was nothing. She and she was crying, because because five minutes before I had her look at a clown and she was terrified. Right after that, it was gone. Um, there, I think the thing is when we look at this psychologically, we look at the scenarios of of the way we are of the way we are as people, and the way we. Um, uh, the way the way we look at life, you know, the way we look at um, mm -hmm. uh, how how we look at those fears on the inside, and we look at you know, it, how how we are groomed to think, but we don't realize that so much of that is groomed by the way our soul is is has been developed through trauma, through through pleasure, through so many different things, and it, 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 I think that what this does is it helps answer the question why we as Christians still act and think carnally. Because we will have these thoughts go through our mind and we're going, but I'm a new creation in Christ, so why is my spirit man still doing this? Or why, or why am I still thinking some of these things? Granted, there's things in our spirit that we want to mature and we want to grow and we want to, um, we want to work on, but but the majority of what we see comes from those parts of our soul and 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 those we we can try to manage those which is what i believe most christians we try to do we just try to suppress those feelings or uh, suppress dirty thoughts or suppress those things and we just kind of feel that we're plagued with this the rest of our life it's our cross we got to bear no it's because we don't understand that there's that that um, we don't understand that we need healing, we need our, our mind renewal, and we don't understand how to do it. And since we don't understand those things, this is what normally happens. We get locked in this in this stuff, and uh, um, we don't know how to, you know, change our thinking because we don't know any other way to think. Steve, what we're talking about today completes. Uh, a lot of conversations that have happened independent one of the other. People want to talk about healing as if it's one subject and deliverance as if it's another subject and psychological issues and trauma as if it's another subject. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, it's one cohesive conversation yes. in Christ Jesus. And it is bridging all these gaps that gives us access to such a fuller and more effective holistic ministry to people. And, and you know, it's really been 
a lot of fun having you on the program. Steve, we're out of time. Do you have any final thoughts before I close this program? Uh, well, um, my thing is to get people to do this stuff. And the reason is, is because I can teach this and other people can teach this. But when you go out there and you start doing this on your own, you're going to be convinced. It's going to help convince you and it's going to help give you insight. And since there's so much to learn about this stuff, like the spirit realm and the, and the kingdom and the dynamics of the kingdom, how the structure works, how inner healing works and the different, all these different facets of it and how vast it is. One, two, 10, 20 or 30 or 40 or a hundred people can't learn all this stuff. The more people we have doing this, the more we're going to get answers and the more we're going to be able to share it with each other and grow quicker and understand this stuff so we can figure out how to get this stuff done. Because I believe everybody should be healed. I believe everybody should be – that mental illness should be knocked out. There's a solution to everybody's problem. But we haven't figured it all out. We figured out some to some degree, and we have theories on it. But it's got to be to the level of Jesus. It's got to be to the level of where we can come and we can get everybody healed or at least know the path to get everybody healed and set free and delivered emotionally, physically. And the more we have people doing this and stepping out and taking the risks, because I've taken lots of risks, going out on a limb, doing these things that I knew I was going to get persecution for, know that I was going to lose friends over and because they just were fearful of it and it was too weird or whatever, um, and that you're going to make mistakes. It's okay because we're going for something bigger that's going to transform the world. And we just need more people to do this and not be afraid to make those mistakes knowing that God will fix your mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes when it com comes to deliverance and doing inner healing, but that's how I learned to do it better and learn how to fix it, you know, because I'm about results. And if I'm not getting results, I'm not going to keep doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that it's going to work. I'm going to keep trying like a, like a guy who's a scientist trying to find the cure for a disease. I'm going to keep trying uh, scenario after scenario, uh, experiment after experiment. If it doesn't work, I'm going to try another one. And I'm going to try another one. I'm going to try to augment it this way because I know that God wants them healed. I just haven't found it yet. And the Lord wants to grow. And I think when we ask God the question of how we get it done, it, we're thinking that God gives us necessarily a direct answer. But the problem is if you don't understand the grid for it, he can't just give you a direct answer. It's Amen. just like being told – Hey, Steve, uh, can, can you, since you're a brain surgeon, can you tell me how to, to do brain surgery on, on this guy right now over the phone? Uh, no, you actually need to go to school for a long time to figure out all the ins and outs and the fundamentals of how you, how you do surgery and how you understand anatomy and how you understand the brain. I just can't tell you that over the phone. You have to create a grid for it, and I think um, – that's why explaining some of these reasons of why healing doesn't always happen is you can't you can't just sit down with the person and tell them within two minutes why it's not happening when all these dynamics are at play. All I know is that God wants them healed, and it's his will for them to be healed and set free, and he doesn't want them to die, and he doesn't want them to be tormented. 
So when you have that and you know that the answer is there, you want to find out what it is, which means he, if, if you're asking the questions, God will lead you to people that have already done some of this stuff to give you some tools as a starter kit so you can go out and start doing it on your own. Luckily, I had people and friends who were willing to let me experiment on them in the beginning. <laughs> and, and, and they were totally game for it. And you go, they had like a good attitude to where I could make mistakes. And then there were just other people where I did make mistakes on, and some people I never saw again. But <laughs> you know, because I, I I was pract I was learning, and but the thing is, God fixes those things, and and uh, you get better at what you're doing. And then a lot of times I've had those people come back to me, and they 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 they've known I've improved, and they gave it a second try. And there's one lady in particular. I mean, we've been making awesome headway now. Because I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning, but she, but God knows how to do things and maneuver things for redemption and to fix our mistakes. And we're we're so afraid of of failure, and um, the enemy wants us to think we got to do everything right and perfect. But God, God, God's a big God, and He can fix our mistakes. Steve, fear yeah. is certainly the enemy of faith. I'll tell yeah. you what. Um, it has really been a pleasure to have you on the program, brother. And Thank for those of you, oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. For those of you that are listening, and you say, "Hey, I'd like to, you know, take a look at some of the more, some more stuff by Steve, or some of what Steve has to say." You can go to steveharmon.org and check him out there, folks. We're out of time. I'll see you next time on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Till then, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.